1: You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction.
3: And
2: now we go into the thick of it.
1: Uh-oh. Uh-oh.
2: Erin Addisons
1: On American Family Radio. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B is over in Studio CC. Um, I'm thinking we probably need to open the phone lines up. Uh, One, because I miss people because we haven't talked to people <laughs> in just a little bit, and I'm like that, you know. And so I'm like, I feel like, hey, how you, how you been? How's your mom and them? Right. I just feel like we need to, you need, we need to ask those questions. How's, there, how's everybody doing? There's a lot going on in the country.
0: There is. And
1: um, <laughs> and so uh, I feel like we all need to talk. We yeah. all are just family, we, the, the body of Christ, man. We need to stay connected. We need to talk. So we will open the phone lines because I feel like people need to talk, mm. all right, and by people, I mean me. Let's all, let's, let's all talk. Can we? Can we sit down? Uh, I don't have a cup of coffee at this point right now, but I am drinking some organic green tea that is um, naturally flavored with peach. There you go. So I'm ready. I'm ready for a conversation. All right. Right. The only thing I'm missing is like a mason jar and ice, which <laughs> might make the conversation go better. Cause I'm drinking this out of a can. There may be some communication blocks between me and some people. I don't know. They're like, that's not tea. And some people, when I, when I said green tea, they were like, what? Don't you mean sweet tea? Right. You know, and they're like, I can't talk to you. That's okay. We're going to make it work. It's lightly sweetened. All right. And, and it's, only, it's only because I can't afford the calories. Maybe you have it in the bank. <laughs> maybe, maybe you drink your tea with a spoon and uh that just means there's a lot of sugar in it. And mm. uh that's fine. I just can't afford the calories. I gotta I gotta I gotta pull back. Um anyway, there is a lot going on. We had a very engaging show on Friday. Yes. And um that's another one of the reasons why I wanna open the phone lines up because I know that people just kinda went a little bit like where? Hmm. what you know it's like (laughs) yeah it's the cat that suddenly gets startled you know the the back arches and you're on the tippy toes you're like what because we regularly are you know following cdc guidelines and so i think when you have a conversation like we had which by the way if you if you were not able to listen we've been working for a little bit and by we i mean our producer jade so i'm so grateful for her and the hard work like we i mean it really is such a blessing. Um, not only does she keep her eyes open for the types of conversations we want to have because she knows us, um, but when we come across things and we're like, hey, we want to have a conversation like this on the radio, she just goes to work to get those people for us. And so I really appreciate it. And she does a, a fantastic job. I'm so grateful for her. And uh, she had to <laughs> she had to stay on, Dr. Mikevitz, because... <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Mikovits' book, Plague of Corruption, is sort of soaring right now because everybody's eyes are opened in a way that they had not been opened before because what we are finally feeling comfortable doing is asking whether or not people could do something sinister in mm. the scientific community. Right. And I think before COVID-19, we were very hesitant to Ask those questions. Could people do something? Would people do something sinister and destructive to our national health? Right. Or even our global health. Could people do something like that um, just because they can? Right. That was that. I think we just felt like, man, there's that's so Hollywood, you know, (laughs) and in the wake of COVID-19, I think everyone's feeling just a little bit more comfortable asking questions and her book. Uh, that she co-authored with Kent Hacken Lively, who was also on yeah, with us. It was a one-two punch. Yeah. Man. That goes down in, in in the history of shows as as one of the ones that I think becomes really vital to what we do. So right? you can as as you
2: can catch that show if you, you want to listen back to it at some point. Not right now. At some point. <laughs> it was Friday's show. Right. Yeah. And, and that's so you right. can get the podcast at AFR. .net, you can catch the archive in there, you know, just go to Friday and you can listen to that whole show. I I, I would, cannot recommend I it enough. I hope you do, because Man. if you didn't hear it, you, you should hear it.
1: So, so, so let me tell you, so I'm reading the book Plague of Corruption right now, and it is sort of mind blowing piece of information after mind blowing piece of information. The thing I appreciate about the book so far, and you and I were discussing it just last night, mm-hmm. the thing I appreciate about the book so far is, is that this is all documented factual information with names and yeah. dates and people and medicines? I mean, right? You just go how? How does that happen? How do we allow for a population to be infected right. with vaccines or right. like infected with diseases under the guise of vaccines? Yeah. And this has been happening going back since the 1930s, I think, is where they begin in plague of corruption. Um, how does this happen, and and people not stop and say, exactly. "Wait a like minute, what's going if, on here?" You know, and if you've done this once,
2: mm-hmm. and it's we're so, not crazy, it's so detailed. Like with um, some of the things we were reading last night, and that was just mm-hmm. like the forward and the beginning of the, you know. Yeah, but it's so you're just detailed, getting into it. You're like, man, people are not making this up. This is this is because <sighs> they they have proof, they have facts, they have different documents. I mean, it's just like wow. And so it answers a a lot of questions for me that I've always asked, like why
1: all these diseases
2: so prevalent today. I don't remember all of this stuff, and what's going on? Like why, you know, as a kid, all me and my friends ate peanut butter and jelly sandwiches all the time. Peanut, yes, all these allergies and all that. Where where did it come
1: from? You didn't need you didn't need a hall pass for peanut butter. Exactly, you you could bring peanut butter to school. You know, you didn't have these. Um, types of hyper allergies you remember the story I think we covered this story um, maybe two years ago I can't remember exactly but the little boy who died uh, because of fish being prepared next door right and he was so highly allergic to fish that the smell of it caused him to go into anaphylactic shock like I mean crazy
2: that makes
1: no sense and and so these are the kinds of things that I, you know, and, and look, and I, and I always like to kind of pare things down just a little bit. If it seems like it's too big a bite for you to say the American people need to, you know, care and be thinking and asking questions, then I always like to pare it down to what would be a community within a community. And I would say for the body of Christ, yes. you know, we need to be prayerful and we need to ask the Lord to give us wisdom about what we're putting into our bodies, what yes. we are allowing to be injected into our bodies and into our children's bodies. And, and look, and and I think that many of our listeners will, I think that many of our listeners have shared some of the questions that you have, um, that you have raised over the years. And we talk about these questions on the air and the privacy of our own home as mm-hmm. we look at sort of the explosion of these chronic illnesses. And, and, you know, even now, I think that there are people who have questions about, the rise of Alzheimer's you know mm-hmm. why do why do we see such an increase in this and right. and childhood cancers and childhood diabetes right. well if you read the book plague of corruption there are answers to those questions yeah. guys and I got to tell you they don't make you feel better <laughs> they don't make you feel better in fact when you start to read some of this information and get into it um, it, it, it makes it <laughs> You know, because I don't advocate feeling like a victim. We had the whole thing. Like I'm, you know, you're not a victim. Right. Um, This might be the one thing. (laughs) This (laughs) might be the one thing where I say, hey, yeah, you know, you are. You're a victim. I don't like to throw that out at all.
2: That's (laughs) no, that's that's
1: early on we started telling our kids they weren't victims. Right. So and so doesn't want to play with me. So and so took. You're not a victim. I just don't. I don't (laughs) like that. You know, you're not a victim. Right. But this. And I, you know, I whisper it because anybody who's been looking for something to be a victim of, you know, the part, it's like, I, I knew I was a victim of something. Um, this might be the thing, all joking aside, guys, yeah. this might be the thing that when you look back on it, and I, I as I was reading through this, and I, I, I posted on social media, you know, just some of my, my thoughts, at least one thought as it pertains to this, that if you have been, um, and depending on how you, you know, when you were being vaccinated, Um, would, I guess, define whether or not you're fully vaccinated because that that schedule changed over the years. Mm -hmm. But if you've been fully vaccinated in this country um, and you are healthy, that is a tremendous mercy of God. Yeah, that's a tremendous mercy of God. And, And let me just say this again. That is my opinion. You tune into this show. You're listening to our commentary. That is my commentary. I own those comments. And um and if I see suits come and knock on my door, I'll say it to your face. Yes, if you are fully <laughs> vaccinated in this country and you are in good health, that is a mercy of God. One mm-hmm. of the things that Dr. Mikeovitz points out in this book, which is so stunning to me, is the discovery of retroviruses. So you've got vaccines that were contaminated by these retroviruses from um, mice. Mm -hmm. brains (laughs) guys it's it's like it's it's like hollywood you you think that this is made in california right but what they discover is that these viruses that entered into the human genome entered into the human genome are now passing from mother to child Mm -hmm. they discovered it in reproductive material i'm trying to say lightly here in men all right Mm -hmm. And so, in other words, what we're talking about is not just how we're affected by vaccines right now. We're talking about how the human population has changed generationally as a result of the scientific community hiding information from us. Mm -hmm. That's explosive information. And I got to tell you, it would explain outright why this book is being suppressed on a lot of the social media websites. Yeah. It would explain why um, our nightly news is not covering. There was once a time where nightly news would investigate everything, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the American people would get to sit down around their TV and they get to watch it and then decide what they think about it. No more. No (laughs) more. Um, Our our mainstream media, as it's commonly called, is not only, you know, trying to (laughs) help shape your thinking, but they are outright keeping information from you. You don't even right. get to talk about it. And and why? Because, I mean, frankly speaking, people. Every other commercial is some sort of pharmaceutical commercial.
2: Mm.
1: How many? How many? You know, public service announcements have you seen for mesothelioma? Right. You are someone oh, you know been plague of corruption covers that and where man. that came from and how we've man. It is just. It's mind boggling. And I'll tell you, there's so much information in it. And I wanted to kind of have like a, um, I guess, just like a primer conversation mm-hmm. with Dr. Mike Uh, But I really think we need to have her back for an hour yeah. and have her kind of break down because some of the information is really start talking about retroviruses and things like that and mm-hmm. immunology and, and virology and all of these things. That it, you know, there's a little bit of a learning curve there, but it's worth it's worth getting into. I want to ask you this question: Well, yeah. before we move on to what we want to kind of cover today, what was I guess most startling to you in the conversation, either with with uh, Kent Heck and Lively and yeah. Dr. Mikevitz from Friday?
2: Yeah, t- for me, is that people actually are able to get away with this stuff. Like, I, I feel like there should be yep. more that's done. I mean, I know you know uh, highlighting the, the the stories and but it seemed like everybody that that tries to blow the whistle, they their career get ended or something happens to them, you know, and it's like, yeah, you know, why can't or, or worse? They'll say oh, something happens to them, <laughs> you know, and yeah, yeah, and it's like, yeah, man, you know, this wickedness. And, and you made a point, you know, that uh, it, they will be judged for it. You know, it will happen. You know, But I, yeah. I wonder, like, can more people be, you know, saved now from th- those type of uh you know, that those type of wicked dealings. And it's all behind money. You know, when you look, it's like Yeah. the, the love of money is the root of all types of, of evil. And, and you see because wow. of people wanting power, wanting money, that they're willing to, like, let other people suffer, you know, at, at their hands. And just some of the information as well, like, you know, where some of these, um it's almost like, Frankenstein's lab or something it seemed like they were just kind of experimenting with yeah. this and that and trying to see what this was. and it's like wow people are really doing this type of yeah. stuff you know
1: yeah it, it seems so unbelievable one right. of the things pointed out in the book was that uh, um, the the big push of the flu vaccine I want to say back in the 1950s mm-hmm. uh, maybe a little bit before that but certainly in the 1950s um, was one of the biggest hoaxes to come out of the scientific community that the, the flu vaccine um, one of the developers said if the American people knew everything about the flu vaccine, if they were fully informed, mm. they wouldn't take it. <laughs> and here we see it now. You basically can just drive through and get it.
0: Yeah. You know, oh, I'll, yeah. ta-
1: I'll take a number one in the flu shot.
0: And, <laughs> and, and,
1: and, and it's on the heels of all of this. They want us to sit around and wait for a quote unquote COVID-19 vaccine mm. and not be able to ask questions. We gotta wake up. Aaron the Addisons, American Family Radio. We'll grab a quick break and be right back. so welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio we appreciate you tuning in during this hour knowing that you could be doing anything else that you wanted and listening to whoever else you wanted but you choose the Addison's so we appreciate it, it means a lot thank you for doing that I'm Miki
2: and I'm Will and that's Toby Mack with I just need you
1: Sherry B is over in studio CC we're going to open the phone lines up in the last segment and um, get your take on anything that we talked about today and if you want to go back to Friday that's fine because we did So I'm fine with that, too. If you if you're like, man, hey, look, you know, you you can't just pull the pin out of the grenade and move on. Let's let's go and talk about this. uh, Then that's fine. Um, So so what I wanted to do today was have a little bit of a conversation around guilt. Right. Mm -hmm. And I have done this before. Um, I don't know that I've done it before on the AFR network. I don't know that I've done it before in this time slot, but I know for sure that I have unpacked this at conferences. And I know that I have unpacked this uh, when we were doing urban, right? Yeah, because definitely. what we saw happening in the church was and remains so destructive that I thought, okay, we got to, <laughs> we got to say something about it. Right? right. So you sent me this article where um, there was now guys, this is going to, you know, I, I feel like if Ken Ham were listening to this show, which by the way, if he were, Hey Ken, just <laughs> Hey, just saying hi. Um, if Ken Ham were listening to this show, he'd probably be cringing at a lot of the terms that I'm going to use. Um, and and even our kids now are trying to learn and readjust because the older they get, the more they hear terms that they were not previously accustomed to hearing. Right. <laughs> OK, because we tried to raise them factually and, and we try to raise them to be biblically accurate. But as they get older, they hear terms like black and white. And you might be like, what do you mean they don't commonly hear that? Well. Because we teach them a biblical worldview that there is one race of people, the human race. Now, as they get older and we dig a little bit deeper, we'll say there's two races, those who are on the Lord's side and those who aren't. (laughs) But for right now, okay, where they are, um, which I think they understand that at this age. Anyway, uh, there's one, there's one race of people, the human race, and people are shades of brown. People are not actually black or white. Right. They're shades of brown. And so, Our kids refer to people as lighter brown people, (laughs) darker brown people, Mm -hmm. middle brown people. Like, for example, my mom and my late sister are very fair skin, Mm -hmm. right? So they were really shocked when I said, no, they're not white because (laughs) (laughs) they are thinking of this very literally, right? And so I realized, you know, especially with a 13 year old, we we don't want her to go out there like, you know, what, (laughs) you know, we don't want to be green. And so we got to make sure that people, that they understand how people think and the way people communicate, but we don't want them to adopt it. Right. And right. there's a big difference. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just telling you. I, we we want them to know how people think, mm-hmm. but we don't want them to adopt it. We want them to have a biblical worldview. And so basically change conversations when you enter them.
3: Yeah. When
1: you go into a room and you're a part of the conversation, change the conversation by bringing truth to the conversation, right? So, so anyway, so I, I'm going to, kind of i'm setting it all up to say i'm probably going to use terms that you're familiar with but they're not terms that i would prefer to use Mm -hmm. but it can sometimes be confusing right so in this country we speak in terms of black and white which is not biologically accurate (laughs) okay but for the sake of our discussion so what we are experiencing right now in this country is this phenomenon that guilt this powerful emotion that we've been given by God, which ultimately leads us to repentance and salvation. Right. I mean, it's, it's good that we have the ability to feel guilt. Mm-hmm. All right. It serves an eternal purpose, but it's currently being abused in our culture today in our country. And I was concerned about this when I, you know, watch this happen and watch the increase in this thing, you know, and, and the different terms that we come up with and white guilt and yeah. all this stuff. and, and, and so, you know, we, we've done we've done many, many had many, many conversations around this. And I, right. I don't want to go too far into the weeds on it because I, I really want to stick with guilt. Right. But there is a story of a group of white people. Ken Ham would say lighter brown people. Mm-hmm. OK. Um, collectively apologizing to a group of darker brown people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Our culture would say black um, for the sin of racism.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: OK. Now. Not anything that they have personally done, okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> unless they personally did something. Then right. I would say you need to go to that person right. and you need to repent, exactly. okay? Like the exactly. Bible, man, the Bible already gives us how to do this, okay? But that's not what happens. What happens is you have a collection of lighter brown people, you would say white, um, kneeling in front of darker brown people, um, again, commonly for the sin of racism and as they were calling out uh, systemic racism and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. Now, where does this come from? Why, why is this happening? This is fueled by a phenomena that our culture is increasingly adopting and it's called white guilt, all right? Whereby a person feels guilty because of something that they cannot control, right? all right? And there are all different types of guilt that people feel. People feel socioeconomic guilt. They feel guilty because they have something, right? Um, people feel guilty because they are existing in an intact family. They have mm. both a mom and dad. And maybe they have friends who, whose parents are divorced. So they feel guilty because they have something and they feel like it puts them at an advantage. And so then they feel guilty, right? And our culture is really celebrating this right now. Our culture is celebrating guilt. <laughs> this is why we have the race to the bottom. The race to the bottom, meaning that you are so oppressed, that there is absolutely nothing in your life to feel guilty over. In fact, you deserve all of the, you know, the coddling and all of the the accolades because you're nothing. OK, <laughs> that. And so everybody wants to be there. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's racing down to the to bottom, the bottom. Yep. so that you don't have to feel guilty. OK, mm. so because the higher you are, this is the way our culture is defining this. The higher you are in the culture, the more you need to feel guilty over that. It's crazy. All right. Um, it's foolishness. All right. It, it, it makes no sense. But this is where we are. So I wanted to do this. This is the question that we're asking today. Just guilt with a question mark. Guilt with a question mark. All right. Guilt. All right. Like what are we, we going to do with that? Right. So I want to talk to you about how guilt is demanded according to the world's standard. Right. So today the world is saying we will tell you what makes you guilty. And then we will demand that you agree and then feel guilty, hmm. feel guilty. Now, there are some people who can very easily dismiss this. You know, they're the, they're the people that they're like, I didn't get a Mother's Day card, but I don't feel bad about it anyway. So that, <laughs> nothing you do in the culture is going to make them feel guilty. They don't feel guilty about getting their mom a Mother's Day card. Right. So that, I'm not talking to you. If that's you, if you're that person, you're like, ah, Mika, I don't care. <laughs> then that's good. But for the vast majority of people for whom you have red blood pumping through your veins, okay, it's very easy to feel guilty. And we have to be very careful with this. So the symptoms of guilt, and and I want people to think about this because this is what our culture is trying to give you. Our culture is trying to give you guilt. Guilt um, causes anxiety. Causes headaches, stomach aches, muscle tensions. It disturbs your sleep. And anybody that you've been troubled over something that causes you to feel guilty about. Now watch this. Something you did. Mm. You know exactly what I'm talking about. So you have this feeling of being sorrowful. Um, you're irritable. You know that you didn't do something that you were supposed to do. And you're constantly feeling like you need to get it right. Okay. And often this guilt is supposed to drive you to this desperate feeling to apologize and make things better. Okay. Now, spiritually speaking, we call this repentance. Mm. Spiritually speaking, we call this repentance yeah. and it serves a huge purpose. Uh, yeah. yeah. A, a huge purpose, right? We must have godly sorrow and feel the weight, the guilt of our sins so that we go to the Lord and repent. But notice there is one against whom we have sinned. That person to whom also we can go or may go mm-hmm. to seek forgiveness. However, in our culture today, remember now, it is just this jealous sin. Mm. And there's not any one person that you've really sinned against. Right. So you find yourself trying to nail the jello to the wall and you can't get it there. But at the same time, you can't get rid of the guilt because that's just who you are. You're a bad person. You're a bad person, right? Yeah. So I want to go over real quick and then want to take a look at the scriptures. And I know that time is winding down. I want to go over real quickly. Some of the things that when we talk about guilt right now, and, and we shouldn't be flippant with this. In fact, we should all serve as a, a type of crusader against the abuse of guilt in our culture. So when somebody says you're guilty, the question should be of what, what did I do? Right. What did, what did I personally do?
2: And it's not a collective, you know, sin against a, a person, you know, correct, correct.
1: Yeah. And, and this is very important, right mm-hmm. now. So guilt is this, this feeling, this emotion that we have. It's like it's a um, it's an alarm. It's an emotional distress alarm that tells you that your actions or maybe even your inactions have caused someone harm or they might cause harm, right? So we have this as an internal check to make sure we do what's right. And again, if you can't hear the spiritual implications in that, right? I mean, it's very overt. Right. This feeling right. of guilt tells us that we have done something wrong and we need to get it right. right. Guilt, now listen... Guilt protects our relationships. All right. Guilt protects our relationships. It actually becomes a nagging emotion that helps us behave well toward one another. (laughs) Okay. And as you're going to see, as we progress through this, when it's in its proper context, (laughs) because, and not to get too far ahead, but when you take guilt out of its proper context, it actually destroys relationships.
0: Mm. Hmm.
1: So when guilt is unresolved, I want you to think about it and I'm building up to how it destroys relationships and I want you to understand that when guilt is abused as it is being abused in our culture today, mm-hmm. it cannot and will not produce the result they say it will produce. Come it on. cannot. Yeah. Psychologically, it cannot. A psychologist will tell you this, okay? People, people who understand the way people think and, and the way we operate emotionally will tell you if they are not liberal, And have a vested interest (laughs) in you feeling guilty, they will tell you, hey, the kind of guilt that is being propagated today cannot produce unity. It does not produce unity. In fact, as you will see, it produces the exact opposite. Unresolved guilt. Now think about this. Unresolved guilt, meaning you can't get to the bottom of why you feel bad about who you are, is like a snooze alarm in your head that will not go off.
2: Oh, my goodness. (laughs)
1: so imagine you're out and about you're going to the grocery store and you're going to pick up a piece of fruit Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden the alarm goes off hey you're a bad person feel guilty about that (laughs) so there you go you make it through you have that moment it's like oh man I I don't know but there's nothing you can do about it right because it's just because of who you are Mm -hmm. right there's nothing you can do about it and then you move on And then you find yourself in another setting. Maybe you're at work. So what happens is this unresolved guilt, as a snooze alarm, you can't function. You can't focus. Every time you have quiet space in your head, you're thinking about how horrible a person you are. However, you're a horrible person with no remedy. Mm. There's nothing that can fix it. Right. Guys, this is so wicked. This is so wicked. (laughs) Right. All right. And so here is what happens. Guilty feelings, unresolved guilty feelings make it difficult for us to think straight. You can't be productive. You can't be creative. You can't concentrate because all of the free space in your brain is dedicated to this guilt. And again, remember guys in our current cultural context, it's a guilt that you can't fix. Mm. You just have to feel it and live with that thing. You Mm. just have to live with that guilt makes us reluctant to enjoy life. You feel guilty. So you feel like I I can't go on vacation. Oh, I can't. I can't have nice things because of who I am. And and our culture says, yes, so give it up. You say, so turn it over. Mm -hmm. Right. Don't you hear this call coming from people? Give it up. Turn it over. You should not be able to enjoy that.
2: And so and so let me ask you the sort of collective uh, asking of forgiveness like you alluded to in the story. If it can't, if it ultimately can't be fixed, although nothing really happens there. If the guilt must continue on.
1: No. And let me tell you why. Because our culture has it set up that everyone that you run into for whom your existence demands you feel guilty, you will feel guilty when you see them. Wow. So if I bend a knee in front of a group of people and I think I feel good in this moment, I've repented, please forgive me for being this, please forgive me for owning this, please forgive me for having this, being married, all of these things that put me at an advantage. I ask forgiveness from this group of people. When I get up off my knee and I go to the next place that I'm going, I'm going to run into a group that I haven't repented to. Mm. (laughs) So the guilt doesn't go away. You don't carry that feeling with you because remember, this is a state of guilt that you're supposed to exist in. Wow. So the person that sees you a few miles down the road doesn't know you just had this ceremony and that what has been conferred upon you is like national forgiveness. They don't know that. So they still hate you anyway, because the culture says hate them because they have privilege and you don't. And they should feel guilty forever. So it's a cycle that never ends. It never ends. Guys, and it's not biblical. Right. This is not the way guilt works. But this is what our culture is feeding us and so many people are adopting it and it is disgusting to me. It's disgusting to me because not even our savior tells us feel guilty with no remedy. <laughs> he says feel guilty. You have sinned against a holy and righteous God, and yet that God has made a way for you to be forgiven and for you to be redeemed once and for all. And now you don't have to come before God with shame and guilt, but you are forgiven and you are cleansed, and our culture cannot do that, people.
2: And he forgives the guilt. Our culture of our cannot sin. do that. Amen.
1: He forgives the guilt of our sin. Man, I one other thing. <laughs> guilt. Makes you feel guilty, but then eventually it leads to resentment.
2: Wow. And we'll talk
1: a little bit about that (laughs) on the other side of the break. This is Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. Today, the question is guilt? That's the question. We'll be right back
0: inside. Jesus, you are my desire. Send my heart, oh Lord, for all things unclean. He's my Lord, I serene.
1: Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio, I'm Miki.
2: And I'm Will, and that's Darius James to receive our worship.
1: I'm loving Darius James right now, our family is, um, and man, just appreciating his work. Mm -hmm. Um, So I want to do this, we're going to open the phone lines up in just a few minutes. So if you can, bear with me, I want to get through just a few more pieces of information because we want to go to the scriptures. Remember, we don't just make statements because these statements make us feel good. We make statements that are consistent with what we see in scripture, right? So when we talk about the benefits of guilt and how guilt is being abused in our culture today, um, we're going to go to the word of God as our straight edge. That's what we want to do on every single thing. We filter the way we live through the word of God. So the guilt that we've been talking about, at least in the second segment, the guilt that we've been talking about that comes from this culture, guilt in general. And you think about this, you know that it's true. Guilt tends to make you avoid the person that you have wronged, mm. yeah. <laughs> right? When you feel guilty, you tend to avoid the person that you have wronged. Why? Because it's a reminder of your guilt. Yeah. You hide. You run away. Um, Let's go back to the beginning. You hide. I heard you walking and I hid. Yeah. Why? Because of guilt. And you're the person that I'm guilty against. (laughs) I sinned (laughs) against you, God, from the very beginning. And this has continued down until now. Yeah. Okay. In husband and wife relationships, you're guilty. You do something wrong. You know you need to repent. You mm-hmm. know you need to say you're sorry. Uh, but what do you do? You you know you go through different doors. You, <laughs> ah, I know I'm wrong. You know it, it's this this feeling. We got to deal with this, right? But think about what this does in a culture where people say, "Hey, you're guilty," um, but there's really not a person that you personally injured. It's just your existence that is offensive. Mm. <laughs> Somebody what do you want to do? <laughs> like, think about that. So does this produce unity? There's no way this produces unity because now what you want to do is kind of avoid those feelings. Like, <laughs> you 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 don't you don't want it to be this way, but you're almost longing for safe spaces where you don't have to feel guilty. So now I want to be around people who just kind of have my same skin color, not because I think that that's better or because I prefer it. Because in this kind of context, I don't feel guilty. Mm. Right. I'm always wondering what someone else is thinking about me when I'm in, you know, mixed company. Like, do you, do you, what do you think? Do you think I hate you? And all of this is coming from the culture, guys. Now, now the church is supposed to be impervious to this. Yeah. We're not supposed to be victims of this. Right. This is not supposed to be infiltrating our ranks. But, but my friends. Oh, but it is. Okay. And right. this is why we're having this conversation today. One other thing. Let me say this and then we'll go to the word of God. Guilt trips make you feel guilty, but they also make you feel resentful. They make you feel guilty, but they also make you feel resentful. Think about that. You know, this is true. You know that this is true. People who give guilt trips to others do so in order to control them or to manipulate them Mm -hmm. or to get some desired result, something from their behavior. They want they want this. They want them to do something right But those people who are imposing, if you will, this guilt trip, they don't often think about what's on the other side Mm. of the person even carrying out the action. Yeah. and The person might do it. But then on the other side, it's like they realize they've been guilted and then they're angry. Hmm. You know, it's and, and we love our moms. I'm a mom. I don't even need to say that. Right. But the mom says, you know, you really need to. You don't come see me enough. I just, I'm over here and your labor was like two days and you know what I'm saying? And (laughs) I think back then there was nothing for the pain, you know, and I'm your mom and you need to come see me. And so in the moment you're like, oh man, I know. I'm sorry, mom. I'm just so busy. I need to come see you. I'm going to come see you more. (laughs) And then on your way to the house, you're like, I can't believe she would guilt me like that. Like, come on, man. Mm -hmm. Like you, you start to feel like that's not right. And that is happening in our culture. You feel guilty because somebody told you you need to feel guilty, and then it kind of grows to anger mm. you're like, what I didn't do anything to you. <laughs> Why should I feel guilty i what can i what can I repent of? What can I apologize for? If you go to the scriptures, if you go to the scriptures, Romans chapter eight verse one says, "There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, so we have a culture who is who's saying Largely, you are condemned just because of who you are. And watch this, not because you're in rebellion against God. <laughs> nope, they don't care about that. We have defined the terms. We have defined what determines how you feel about yourself,
0: hmm.
1: whether or not you're guilty or not, right? Look at what Paul wrote in his second letter to the Corinthians here, and then I'll open the phone lines up. In the second letter to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 8 through 11, This is what the Apostle Paul wrote for. Even if I made you grieve with my letter, I do not regret it, though. I (laughs) did regret it, for I see that that letter grieved you, though only for a while. Look at verse nine. As it is, I rejoice not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting Mm. for you felt a godly grief so that you suffered no loss through us. Verse 10 for godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret whereas worldly grief produces death so all this guilt that you allow yourself to feel in the culture says all your insides need to be all jacked up and you're messed up and you're emotionally unstable it still leads to death at the end of it you're still dead at the end of it there's no there's no ultimate repentance right and our culture is totally fine with that right but you see the difference here in Paul's correction of the Corinthians, he's like, man, I'm not trying to hurt you, but I'm glad that it hurt you to the point that you repented. That's good. I'm glad that it hurt you to the point that you got it right. I don't want you to just grieve just to grieve, but I want you to grieve so that it leads you to the cross. Amen. And so how does that look in our culture today? If you have wicked and evil thoughts and intentions about people made in the image of God, you need to repent personally to God. If if it, if it's a legitimate grief, if there's legitimate guilt, mm-hmm. then there's a remedy for it. But the cultural guilt that we're being made to feel today, my friend, there is no remedy for that. There is no remedy for that. Let me finish up a verse 11 here in Second Corinthians chapter seven for see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you. But also what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. At every point, you have proved yourselves innocent in the matter. Mm. The culture that we are in right now can't give us this outcome. And yet at the same time want to throw around emotions like guilt (laughs) and throw away throw around terms like repentance and don't have the first understanding of the definition of repentance. Phone lines 888 589 8840. 888 589 8840. While the lines are getting queued up, let me read one more passage of scripture. Psalm chapter 32, verses 1 through 6. So many of us are familiar with this. David says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. He writes, for when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groanings all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. In other words, the Lord doesn't let us just rest in our own sin and wickedness. That's right. The feelings that we have physically are directed, directly connected to our spiritual rebellion against God. And a loving Kind and just God shows you your sin and both gives you an opportunity to repent. But Mm -hmm. a wicked and evil culture, first of all, defines your sin and gives you no opportunity to repent. You just have to walk in that. Do you see how evil that is? How wicked that is? It's torture. How antithetical. (laughs) It is torture. It, It absolutely is torture. And it's antithetical to the faith. It is not a biblical understanding of what confession and forgiveness truly is. But David goes on in Psalm 32. He says, I acknowledge my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. I want to go back to verse five. Back to verse 5. David says, I acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. The word iniquity used in verse 5 is transliterated avon, avon, and that word is guilt. In hmm. other words, David is saying, not only did you forgive my sin, but you forgave the guilt of my sin. Not only did you cleanse me of my wrongdoing, but you cleanse my mind mm. in having to think about it all the time.
2: Wow. wow. That's
1: why that's why Paul can tell the Romans that there is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ. Amen. We don't have to have this snooze alarm constantly going off, telling us that we're horrible people. And when the snooze alarm does go off, you can agree with it. You know what? Yeah, I am horrible. OK, I deserve <laughs> death. I'm so grateful for Jesus. I'm so grateful for what he's done. No, I'm, I'm not. No, I'm not a good person. Mm. I'm not either. Either God is lying or I'm lying. If I say I'm a good person and God has already said none of us is good. No, not one. But Jesus Christ, who is good, who Amen. is perfection, has given us that perfection in exchange for our lack of goodness. Amen. Our culture can't do that, guys. Where do we go first, Will the Great?
2: Okay, let's go to William in Texas. Hi, William.
3: Hi, guys. I haven't called in a while, but I, this topic has been on my heart for absolutely decades. And it's one of the standards that I use to tell the difference between a, a true and false doctrine is the, is the doctrine of guilt. God told uh the nation of israel the father shall not bear the guilt of the son nor the son mm-hmm. bear the guilt of the father anybody that's pushing generational guilt on the next generation does not know god that's mm-hmm. just it Plain and simple. come on and you look at all these different uh beliefs that are popping up uh look what christianity did they say you know a thousand years ago or and it's not even christianity i mean most of the horrendous things done in the name of Christ were done under the Catholic church, not Christianity. Then uh, you look at other different doctrines that people teach. But the one thing that that you'll notice is that there's always a guilt factor involved in it where they're trying to push the, the person to adhere to what they have due to guilt.
1: Matthew, let me, or William, William, let me say this. Um, when you were mentioning what the Lord God said to his people, I was, I was reminded of the scripture. I actually had the scripture and didn't get to it, but I, I think our listening audience needs to hear this again. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 20. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 20. And I give this again so you can go and look it up. The soul who sins shall die. Hmm. The son shall not suffer for the iniquity of the father, nor the father suffer for the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. Hmm. That's Bible. Yeah. That's bi- so all of this, your forefathers, your ancestors, your this and your that, they have to stand before God and they have to answer to God. Do you understand that? I hope that we can get that and I think that's in part the point that our brother William was making. Will the Great, where do we go next? Let's
2: go to Mary in Alabama. Hi, Mary.
0: Oh my goodness, you guys are awesome. I must God say. God bless you. Even though you have said <laughs> there's none good but we you're doing a good deed how about that okay <laughs> I just wanted to thank you guys i i really did i had heard about uh the scientists a little bit before friday and i was so excited you couldn't hear my excitement of course because you're on the radio but <laughs> i was so excited when i heard her voice and i was trying to tell everybody i meant i was at work i'm at work now even kind of like taking a little breather but anyway about the book. I went out Saturday and purchased the book. I'm mm. almost I mean, just coming through the forewords is like you got to be kidding. You got to be kidding. <laughs> yes. And okay. Okay, guys, my mother's 99, right? Thank God for her. Mm. And I can only read at night and I have these glasses that have lights on them. And I'm laying in bed reading, and I—I I mean, it's all I can do not to scream. Mm. And because she she gets, you know, upset, nervous, whatever, and she probably wouldn't know what I was screaming <laughs> about. Trying mm-hmm. to explain it would be another story. But I just—I'm so grateful for you guys bringing truth, because that is what we need Amen. today. Amen. In this God bless you. Most ungodly atmosphere that's upon us, but
1: we know a God. Amen. That Amen. Looks low. He's not been removed from his throne.
2: Amen. Come on, Amen. Mary.
1: Mary's Amen. trying to earn that organ today. Mary, you're preaching. <laughs> I don't know. Will, can we squeeze in 30 seconds? Does that music All make right, you nervous? Let's try it. 30
2: seconds. Let's go to Andy in Georgia. Hi, Andy.
3: Hey, how y'all doing?
2: Good. Got 30 seconds. How y'all doing today? Good.
3: Okay. I just, I just, what I want to say is we, I don't feel guilty about nothing that happened before I was born. You know, but what everybody should feel guilty about is where we fell short for our kids and teaching them how to be, you know what I mean? And that's really what's going on right now is the, the, the lack of parents and the uh, mm. structure of the
2: family. Yeah, I I agree.
1: No, that's a great point, Andy. And, and let me say this. Look, glory to God, when we have the right perspective on what is happening in our culture, that we do not confer upon ourselves a guilt that is not, I would say, biblically instructed. You understand? The guilt that we feel needs to lead to repentance, and there must be the opportunity for repentance, true repentance. We're out of time. Until tomorrow, Lord willing.
2: God bless.